I really try to let her know the uh, emotional and benefits. Uh, yeah, the, what it does for myself and others. And if you are one of those others, you can send me an email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. And so I can show it to my wife and say, see, yeah. Thom Yorkie is listening to my <laughs> podcast. And he has a list of emotional benefits right here in this email. I really butchered that one. Let's give it one more. Let's give it one more shot. Which is welcome in Central Dusun. Which is a Malayo-Polynesian language. It's spoken in Sabah, in Borneo, in Malaysia. You know, the normal thing that you hear people say on the streets every day. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton, and I may have one tiny little screw loose in my brain today, maybe. Uh, I am the podcast creator and the host and yes, every episode, I welcome you guys in a different language from a different country. And today I really maybe outdid myself and maybe reconsidering what I have done, but I'm going to stick with it anyways. So welcome back, you guys. I am really excited about this second half of my conversation with Chris Lazat. I hope you checked out that first episode. And if you came here just for this one, let me tell you, you should go back and listen to the first one because if you're really here to hear about the musical history of Chris and some of that uh, conversation between us and my slash our thoughts on the whole genre of quote unquote Christian music, then you should check out the first episode because he talks a little bit about his background and his lead up to him becoming a solo artist like solo recording artist i'm not sure but there is a lot of good information in that and for those of you who don't listen to slash don't like christian music don't turn this off here i'm just i'm just telling you this is a really great episode i'm gonna put some of chris's music interspersed in this episode to give you guys a little taste of what that is and to, uh, I think this conversation really for me was a very good eye opener, especially because after Chris and I were done recording, he kind of kept rattling off a bunch of artists and showing them to me on YouTube and playing stuff. And I was like, whoa, this is really good. Like there are actually some great quote unquote Christian artists who are not necessarily like doing the whole kumbaya thing and not doing, not that there's anything against any of this. I obviously have to make that disclaimer, but they're not doing just the big choir and the thing that we all think about, whether we go to church or have never been to church ever about what quote unquote, Christian music means and what it sounds like. So we're here to break some of those barriers down. I'm here to show you that some of it is actually really good and really cool. 
And so I'm hoping that you get that out of this from this conversation. I will remind you that the Daddy Unscripted podcast is part of the Osiris Network, which is very fitting for this episode because Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans like you, me, Chris, even your buddy, uh, Harold. Does anybody know a Harold anymore? I'm sure you do. He probably goes by Harry, and some people probably call him uh, hey, Harry, what are you doing? But that guy, Harold or Harry, he is a music fan. And this Osiris podcast network connects all of us with conversation, commentary, and lots of music. So make sure you check out OsirisPod.com for more great podcasts. And you're, you're going to hear more about it just like I do at the end of every episode. I'll give you a couple of podcasts specifically to listen to. And we will take it from there. So without going too much more into this intro, let's get right to the conversation. The second half of my conversation with the fantastic and irreplaceable, I think Beyonce would even write a song about that, Chris Lazat. So we are here again for our second episode with Chris Lazat, facial hair aficionado, motorcycle straddler. Mm-hmm. I think these are all new things that you should be putting on your business cards when you hand out to people so that they're very confused. Okay. But they'll be able to see some of it right there. And the, oh, yeah, facial hair aficionado. I can see. Yeah, I can see you being good at that. Musician to the extreme, singer, songwriter. I'm looking, I'm trying to find some framer mosaic framer. Uh, my wife's mosaics. I frame them. Oh yeah, that's right. I I didn't even realize that you are the ones framing, you are the one framing them. So let's give a shout out to your wife's industry. Where can people find that? Her Instagram is Christie's mosaics. C H R. No. K. Oh yeah. Sorry, Christy. S mosaics. Okay. Christie's mosaics. And is that where she basically does her drives her business and whatnot? Pretty yeah. much. Well, the mission in San Juan Capistrano, they sell, they buy and sell her stuff. So they sell her stuff. Oh, I did not know and that. There's a mission in Carmel that sells her stuff too. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so fantastic. That's kind of her main outlet. Mm-hmm. They buy like a, a few at a time and then sell them and then buy a few more and sell them. That's really cool. Yeah. It's more of a hobby, yeah. you know, and that she doesn't like make a huge living doing it or anything or I've but, seen but your pool. She's making it. a huge living. Yeah. <laughs> Her mosaics <laughs> bought that pool. Mm-hmm. But in all actuality, uh, Chris is a fantastic musician who has more than one iteration of a quote unquote band right now. Yes. What's iteration mean? Meaning that you are not only a, you not only, I mean, this is not the, you can't look up iteration and I won't say what I'm about to say, but you have Chris Lazat, which is you, you have your offshoot band that is with Hans and, oh, which is, what is the name of that again? That's rich folk, but you know that we made a record a few years ago. And yeah. We don't really cultivate that. It's just we're all friends, and mm-hmm. it's a, our excuse to get together is it's, is 
now is basically the sawdust. We do that every year, mm-hmm. but mainly I'm a, a worship leader at mm-hmm. my church and the, another church in LA. And uh, mainly um, that's become more of what I do mm-hmm. for a living. And also just my main thing is leading music and mm-hmm. worship in the church. So the albums and the band stuff and the touring outside of that is kind of now the icing on the cake or the yes that's a nice way to put it yeah like like tomorrow me and my wife will drive up to uh pismo beach area and i'll lead worship saturday night at a church Mm -hmm. and then sunday morning at a different church and then sunday night at a different church where Mm -hmm. we'll do like a night of music and worship with a couple other artists up there and so i do little things like that out of town and here and there, but where that used to be my main thing. Mm-hmm. Now my main thing is your home making church. frames for my wife's mosaics. <laughs> Which again are at K R I S T. Christie's mosaics. She's going to have to become one of the sponsors of this podcast now. I oh, think yeah. that we've mentioned her twice in one episode. There you go. So I'll okay. have her sign up for that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, well, what do you call that cup of coffee I just gave you, my friend? Oh, this is my payout for those two, those two drops. Yeah. If I do another you said one, it was delicious. Yeah, it is delicious. So we'll kind of go back to because you are as well an international artist. That's oh, like oh, yeah. on your on your resume. Okay. You've performed internationally. Yeah, Tijuana to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> No, you've done big European tours. I mean, it, you you know, may, it's not a tour like a, a Justin Timberlake tour. No. I mean, okay. though the performance is nearly identical. I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> could show him a few moves. Yes, that's for sure. Yes. But, um, uh, but I mean, there was a time where it was on a different scale and we'll work up to that. So we talked a lot of, you guys should all make sure that you listen to the first episode. Cause not only is it fantastic and touching, we laughed, we cried, we held each other, mm. but there is some of this pre story that we won't get into here. That kind of talks about the lead in to you becoming a solo artist from your days with, <laughs> it's just going to always say spear to me. Spirit, even though it's spirit tones, like didn't you guys? Was there a time when you guys were saying it out loud, and you were saying, "Do you think people are going to think it's spirit tones?" Yes, uh, but <laughs> if you want to maybe pronounce it correctly, it could be the spirit owns. Well, the spirit ones, or the spirit ones. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Well, was it two separate words or was it one? One word. Spirit tones. Spirit tones. Were there two T's in that? No. Oh, so it was just one. So spirit ones would probably be what I would call you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. We weren't smart enough to figure that one out. That you needed a double T in there. We needed the double T. Yeah. Darn it. This is a perfect opportunity for you guys to go on a reunion tour. But unfortunately, if you point. yeah, if you did the double T thing, then you would throw everybody off because they'd be like, "This is no reunion." Imposters. Yeah, we saw the spirit ones. Yeah, we're not here for this spirit tones group. Right. 
So you guys can go back and listen to the first episode and get some of this background, but we'll pick it up from where you are now married. You are two albums in. You are playing a lot of doing a church circuit, basically, at that time, um, which is when I met you, uh, which was actually, I think, yeah, I guess I met you right around the time that that second album was coming out. And for many of you, and I will be interspersing some of Chris's music in this, and I will not be interspersing any of 99's music in this because of the sheer embarrassment of, I know, I know, I shouldn't say that, but I do have our demos and I have a bunch of old practice recordings as well. But we, as a band named 99, opened up at least once for you. I remember the one I definitely remember because I have pictures of it. There's more than a few times, my friend. Yeah. And, and we did one out in the Inland Empire where we all trekked out together, caravaned out. And it was kind of a mini, a very mini, like... Let's call it an amphitheater. <laughs> it, was, it, it had the look of the Hollywood Bowl stage. Sure. Because uh, it had that big arcing whatever dome behind it. Yeah. And... But then if you look at pictures of us performing on that stage, it's really cool looking. But if you are looking through our eyes, you're looking at just like a park. And while we were playing, for sure, like very minimal amount of people like basically stopping their racquetball or whatever they were doing to go look over and watch us play. The Um, the hot dogs were delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I have some pictures of that. I will definitely put on the website to show those good old days. Yeah. But that was when I met you and you were doing a ton of shows. And that was pre... See, I kind of... I In my mind, I segment a lot of your stuff because I feel like, to me, to my ear, there are differences that kind of went along with who your partners in crime were, kind of. Okay. So you you have a definite kind of change that I sense from the Sleepy Ray days that could be the fact that his guitar is on your music. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you your music changed drastically, but obviously there is a heavy Influence. seasoning, yeah, seasoning. In, in those songs of Sleepy Ray. Yes. What was his last name? McDonald. Sleepy Ray, Ray McDonald. I mean, Sleepy Ray has this cool. I know. And then McDonald is this what Scottish name, which he was a very he had cool stuff going on. He's still an incredible guitar player. Oh, is he still playing? Yeah, he's just finishing a new record actually right Hmm. now. But he he's one of my favorite guitar players ever. I love his guitar. Mm -hmm. Very smooth and just buttery. Very Texas blues. Yeah. I grew up following Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimmy Vaughan and mm-hmm. loved Lightning Hopkins and all that early blues, all the early blues, southern blues stuff. But he's like, to me, he's he's the real deal. Look at all right.
So that was kind of around that time. And you are playing with him for maybe the expanse of two, maybe three albums. We did that record and we did the, the next record was called Long Time Coming. Mm-hmm. And that was with him and his brother. Oh, yeah. I forgot about his brother. And drummer named Don Heffington, who was in Lone Justice. He played, and he played on a couple of Dylan, Bob Dylan records. Mm-hmm. He played. He was the, the drummer for that record. So, so that was fun doing that one. And then he kind of went off on his own. He did his solo did album solo during album. that time. Yep. And uh, he's still doing his own records, but he moved back to Texas where he's from. Hmm. And now he's a pastor of a church. Oh, cool. And he has eight kids, nine, ten kids. Eight of them are, are all... Uh, Bipeds. What's that mean? They have two legs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're ad- adopted uh, uh, crack um, babies. Kind of oh, like, wow. Like the mom, all from the same mom. No way. Yeah, they just, the mom kept having kids and they kept feeling like we need to bring their siblings with us. Wow. So they have like eight kids. So he's, yeah, he's, he's uh, my hero. That is amazing. I have, you yes, know, I have sure. six adopted siblings. Do you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, you did not? No. I'm the youngest of eight and six are adopted. I had no idea. Yeah. My parents couldn't have kids and you know, this is back in the sixties when they can't do what you can do now. Mm-hmm. And so, sorry, folks can't have kids. <laughs> like, sorry, folks, parks closed. Uh, meaning my mom's uterus. Is that not okay? <laughs> like John Candy from into that park. <laughs> John Candy from Vacation. Uterus, right? Uh, so yeah, so they couldn't have kids, and so they started adopting, and they adopted five kids. Wow, uh, which is craziness. And then out of the blue, when they were in their young forties, my mom got pregnant with my brother. Just like, I mean, complete miracle. Yeah, shock. Like, what in the world? Um, And then a year and a half later, they had me. And then my mom had a miscarriage after me. And so she said, okay, I'm done. At that point, I think she's like 42. Where's your siblings? Uh, Well, my oldest sister died two years after my dad in 92. Um, And... All of my other siblings, they're all in California, all, all really in Southern California. Oh. So after he moves on, then you are doing a couple of albums that are just you and you and the band, you and studio Well, I started musicians. with Sean. Remember Sean Tubbs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's another world-class guitar player, you know, like he plays with Carrie Underwood now. Right. And... um but he produced one of my records hmm. called Big Heavy World. And, um, and then the, the one before Big Heavy World was called Humankind. This friend of mine, John Schreiner, produced that. But Sean uh, sang Played on, on it. that. Hmm. He didn't play on it, but he sang on it. And, um, but then the Big Heavy World records, it's, it's just all Sean. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like a Sean on bass and Sean on like 50 guitars. Oh, really? It's like a guitarastra. Yeah. And when he was recording, I was kind of like, this is just too much. I'm like, (laughs) 
But then when you'd hear it all back, you'd go like, this guy's a genius. Yeah. Like the parts that he would, he thinks so musically. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And then we'd play live together a lot. So I remember when we got our copies of Big Heavy World, I remember saying, not that it was a guitar stra, which is a fantastic term. Thank you. Um, I made that up. But I, you, I this is trademarked at this yeah. time. But I remember talking with maybe Josh or other people and being like, this is big. Like, this is much more vast and different from a lot of what you had recorded at that time. And very cool, like, not the changeover from a Thom Yorkie Radiohead from their second album to OK Computer. Not It wasn't like a change like that, but just how much more was going on was really cool. So, yeah. so way to go, Sean. It's Sean, too. It's not CN. Oh, it should be. He should change his name. No, because it's not spelled S-E-A-N. Oh, how is it? Oh, it's, it is Sean, S-H-A-W-N. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really pronounce that any other way. But it's tub of it's, it's two he's B's. got the E. No, two B's. T and he's got it. Does he have an E at the No. Tubs. You can just tubs. <laughs> People are gonna be like, wow, these guys were what, smoking weed during this podcast? Or what's going on? Just high on life. Yeah, we just no. are getting kooky with our pronunciations. We are trying to mm-hmm bash the English language. Thom. Yeah. Thom Yorkie. So after that, you are still touring at that time. You're still going overseas and whatnot. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you have a home church around that time that you're, are you leading worship at that time or no? No. Okay. Had you, had you already and you just weren't doing it then or. Gosh, I don't remember. I know uh, I was, at Anaheim Vineyard, and a, a guy named Eddie Espinosa was kind of grooming me. He mm-hmm. invited me to just come play with him, and he was a great guitar player, and, and I wasn't. And so it was very kind of him to let me learn from him. So mm-hmm. I would just strum along with them at, at this big church and fake it sometimes because I couldn't get the chords, you mm-hmm. know, so I'd just ghost it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like you're... Pick wasn't even hitting no, the strings. That is if amazing. They, if they had a camera on it and they were from the side, <laughs> you would see like a space. Is he lip syncing his guitar right now? <laughs> it's like a strum sync? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, but it was an awesome opportunity to watch this man worship God and teach me about worship because his whole thing was he wasn't a song leader. He wasn't like trying to go, come on, everybody. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to worship God. And if you guys want to come along, feel free, you know, and he would just worship the Lord and get lost. And that was really cool to experience that as someone who wanted to do that. So, because I, I, I think the really cool thing about that is, you know, I talked to you before this and I don't, think this is something that you'll really want to jump into in the way that I kind of say it. But Christian music obviously has a perception from the outsider. But also there is a very, I think, 
real and tangible for somebody like me who is very into music and primarily listens to secular music, which I think that's the first time I've said that word since maybe 94. You sure it's, isn't it succulent? Succulent. (laughs) This music is succulent. But, you know, there was a time in my life years and years ago where I really made a very firm, I'm not going to listen to secular music anymore. I'm just going to listen to Christian music. And that did not last very long because they're really, and this was probably, I don't know, mid nineties maybe, or something like that, mid early nineties. And there just wasn't like, I was really having to force myself. It's like my kids eating veg, eating some vegetables or, you know, maybe somebody can take something and do this with it. But in, in some ways, some Christian music can be the Brussels sprouts of music. That's harsh, isn't it? It hurts. Depends on how you prepare it. I love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Let me just say, actually. Um, but, but it was very difficult because there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of good stuff. You know, the, the words were great. Like the lyrics were great and uplifting and whatever. But musically, it was extremely difficult. And I would go to Sunshine Books... S-O-N, shine, which people can scoff at. I'll give you a second to scoff at that for you people who aren't into Christian music. But I would go in there and, you know, it would be like a CD listening bar. You could listen to stuff before you bought it. And there were days, honestly, where I would spend two to three hours just grabbing everything and trying to find good music that I wanted to listen to more than once. And it was really tough. And... I think in the same way with church music and worship music at churches, it, it can be that way. Like when my wife and I were looking for churches a, a handful of years ago, mm-hmm. for us, it was, there are two different things, the music and the teaching. Yeah, I mean, now obviously for us kids program as well, but how good is the music? Is it lame? Do I want to be involved at all? Does it hurt my ears? Is it for 70 year olds? Um, and then how is the teaching? And for us, music was like a really big thing. And I think there are, God bless them, literally and figuratively, churches that have that kind of cheesy, hym- I mean, not even hymnal music, I wouldn't say, but like, just kind of what you what the cliche is like, a bunch of and it's, I, I feel harsh saying this because they are doing good things and they are using their gifts and their talents and whatever, and they're doing a good thing. But to my ears, like it wasn't what I would sit down and want to listen to or anything like that, you know? Yeah. So I think that ability and, and what you do as well of not even really it being a, a performance in the way of a performing for others but how real and uh, embraceable it is and how it's emotional and there's a connection there is like, you know, throw all that other stuff out, that like very tangible thing that I think would be difficult for people to come in and sit down and say, eh, 
And it doesn't really, it's not really, there's no connection there or whatever. Like it's very honest and sincere and genuine as well as I can join in. I can sing along and whatever. And you know what? That was always one of the big things too, I think is sometimes you would get the people who, Hey everybody, we're going to sing this song together and I'm going to go up to this note that nobody else can sing. And we're all going to play up at that register. And like, you're hearing everybody sitting around trying to sing along to this worship song that they're like, how do I, I can't sing with you. I'm sorry. I think that Christian music has always had some really brilliant artists, but the, it sadly was never and still maybe never the artists that ever get promoted. Mm-hmm. So they're never really heard. You know, there's, there's always been these eclectic Christian artists that would write these beautiful songs and beautiful stories. And, but they never fit the mold of like contemporary Christian Mm -hmm. radio, which was promoted towards like moms with minivans. Right. You know, so they're the biggest Christian radio buyer or Christian music buyers at the, you know, year for years. And so Christian radio would just, unfortunately it became this big business. Mm -hmm. And so, but some of my favorite artists, one of my favorite artists and records of all time Christian or non-Christian was this guy named Kevin Prosh. And he had a record. He had this one, one record called the black peppercorns. And it's, it was this record he did with his, and he called his, called it the black peppercorns produced by Ethan Johns, who produced like Rufus Wainwright and Brian Adams. And his dad engineered the Beatles and the stones, but Ethan Johns produced this record and it's, it's, and this guy, Kevin Prosh, is one of the best heart aching. Bono had this quote recently I read that that said something about, you know, the problem with Christian music is there's never songs about divorce or sad songs. Well, there's always been those songs. Just people never got to hear them Mm -hmm. because those weren't the ones that were promoted to the world. Right. Because as Christians, you're not supposed to be sad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the truth is, no, that's not true. As Christians, we have every emotion that anyone has. Mm -hmm. If you read the Psalms... David was, you know, hidden in caves and in agony, you know, and panic attacks, you know, and so 
there's a lot, like, I mean, I, I worked for a Christian label that I was signed to as an A&R person. And my, one of my first discoveries was this guy, Dickie Ochoa, you might remember. Oh yeah. Who now plays with, with, um, the black keys. He's the bass player in the black keys, oh. but he was in the shins. He played yeah, keyboards in for the a shins. long time. Yeah. And he, but he changed his name to Richard Swift and put out some solo records and they're not necessarily Christian records or they're just stories and stuff, but they're beautiful, mm-hmm. incredible records. And even his, when he did it's Dickie Ochoa, which was his real name, he did it. We did a record with him and just never went anywhere because yeah. radio, Christian radio just didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But know? it's so good. So I good. still listen to that every once in a while. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. With all of my So there are those people out there, you know, there's this great, you know, there's this band my kids love called Starflyer 59. I think I've heard of that. They're from around here, Mm -hmm. you know, but they, they're like, they became like known all over the world for, um, just this loved, beloved band. And there's another band called Pedro the lion. And Mm. there's all these bands that are like Christian guys that would write these incredible, uh, songs that weren't necessarily fit in the mold of always yay god or yay or happy positive mm-hmm. they're talked a lot about dark issues you mm-hmm. know? and um sadly those those records were never put into the limelight and there's probably a, a probably the bigger question is is why did christian music that term even happen because there's people do, before there was a christian music industry there was people like mavis staples singing about Jesus mm-hmm. for years and, mm-hmm. and, and incredible, you know, and Bob Dylan did saved slow train coming and shot of love three blatantly gospel Christian yeah. albums. And he's not a gospel artist. He's a white guy, a folk singer, you know, yeah. 
And those records are amazing, beautiful records. I think three of his best, you know, especially Slow Train. You know? mm-hmm. And I think the problem is, is Christianity or we, you know, we figured out a way that, oh, here's a way to make money. When it really started as here, maybe there were some people with money that wanted to support getting the gospel out through music. Mm-hmm. But then it became, oh, we can make money at this. And it just distorted and kind of screwed up the whole thing, you know. Because really, there's not like, you know, not necessarily like, let's say, Mormon music, but there might be, you know what I mean? There's, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. It's Mormon Tabernacle Choir, but but you could be a, a Hindu or a, a, a Muslim or a Buddhist and play rock and roll music and you wouldn't be pegged as, oh, that's Muslim music. Yeah. You that's, wouldn't go into like a record store and say... Can you show me to your uh, Hindu music section? Right. And is that near Mormon? Because I'm yeah. looking for some of that stuff too. I mean, if Madonna's yeah. into Kabbalah, yeah, 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 you don't go look for. A, is there a Kabbalah section? You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you just go. Where's the pop music? You know? Right. And and I I wish there was more. You know, artists like you know Amy Lou Harris sings about faith, and and um, there's plenty of people that are believers mm-hmm. and love Jesus that aren't pegged as Christian artists mm-hmm. necessarily. And, um, but they love the Lord, you know, Alison Krauss is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's too bad that it just didn't stay that way where people could sing about their dog and sing about Jesus in the same record or whatever, yeah. which a lot of Christian artists did do, but they happen to be in a Christian music label. So if you search, there's some great music out there, though. That Black Peppercorns record is incredible. Mm-hmm. To this day, uh, as, as every bit as good as a Dylan record to me or, or a, like it's, it's up there. Or, or Dickie's records or Richard Swift. And there's just some really fantastic records out there. But if you listen, listen to a song called Please, and it's a, it'll break your heart. Mm-hmm. It's so moving. So please don't leave Be kind to me Please I weep And please I'm swimming to and fro Like a pendulum or a metronome If you swing too close to the edge, you know They say that usually you will swing along Swing along, yeah And I think for me, like a lot of your stuff is so listenable because it has that, this is uh, Americana, like this is soulful Americana is I think an actual new genre that 
they're putting guys like Nathaniel Ratliff. Do you listen to him? Have you listened to him at all? I've heard of him. (sighs) That like scratches a very sweet spot in my ears um, (laughs) because of just really cool, like soul American rock, but also like he has a horn section playing. I think you would really dig his stuff. This guy who you have his album over here, Chris Stapleton, mm-hmm. who my, my wife, wife loves. My wife has told me, how, how have you not listened to him? I said, I've never heard of him before because somebody on The Voice, and now they're going to have to pay me. Did, did you see that, that performance cash, by that girl? This, this podcast is a cash cow for you. Right <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm going to be getting so much money from NBC and yeah. no, I Christie's Mosaics. Christie's Mosaics. <laughs> But yeah, no, my wife loves him and he, yeah, he's, he's a, he's different. Mm -hmm. He's not typical country or all that stuff. No. So for me, I think this, especially I got excited when you teamed up with Mark Ford because I was listening to the black crows from when they first came out, I was in high school and I remember actually listening to a lot when my dad was extremely sick with cancer, I remember listening to their first tape a whole bunch with friends of mine sitting around. I remember like listening to that a whole bunch during that time. And that I think kind of music like always really resonated with me. And then when you got teamed up with him, which you can tell me how that all happened, but adding that kind of flavor, I think makes this something that kind of for this podcast as well, for some of my music loving listeners, like it gives it a little bit of that kind of cool entry point for other people, you know? And I think that is a, I don't know if it's a conscious choice on Mark's part ever, but thinking about all the people who are like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll check that out. I'm not a Christian. I don't care about Christian music in any way or whatever form of it, but Maybe I'll listen to this and check it out and what that potentially opens up for people who were random Joe Black Crows fans. You know what I mean?
so I don't know, should we go back to how did, did you meet him at a church or did he? Well, I kind of knew him a little bit from, he played on one of my sister-in-law's records years ago and I met him there and I used to go see his band called Burning Tree before he was in the Crows hmm. years ago up in Hollywood when I was living up there. Huh. He was just someone I loved as a guitar player and I was just a fan. But his wife, Kirsten, and my wife uh, were in second grade together, seventh grade. They, they were kids together, went to school together, and they would spend the night at each other's houses. And they were friends wow. back when they were kids. Mm -hmm. And then they lost contact for years. And then all of a sudden, I was, I was leading worship at a church in Laguna Niguel called The Vineyard. And um, Kirsten started coming to the vineyard. And then her and Mark at that time were divorced or separated. I think they're divorced and, but they were getting back together and Mark, their first date back together was Kirsten brought Mark to church. Hmm. Said, you need to come hear this worship leader. I think you'd like him. And, and Mark explains it like he had this, he, he uses kind of drug references cause he has a, a pretty strong history with drugs and stuff. And mm -hmm. so he uses this, like he had this trip or LSD feeling <laughs> when I was singing. Uh -huh. And, um, and then after I was done, he came up and introduced himself, but I, I knew who he was and just said, I'm supposed to play with you. <laughs> just kind of said that. So, so, you know, after we're, after that, we just started, he just started playing at church with me. Mm -hmm. He started coming to the vineyard and he went, ended up getting a lot of prayer there, uh, for some of his past stuff. And then he ended up him and his wife went to a school there called the school of ministry. Mm -hmm. It was like a part-time Bible classes and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. just got really involved. And then I was asked to do a record for a uh, vineyard music and, and I asked Mark to produce it. And so he produced this record called. <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> Signal Hill revival. Oh yeah. It's called. And we did it. If the reason it's called that, we did it at a studio in Long Beach called Signal Hill hmm. or in Signal Hill called The Compound. And Mark had produced a couple records from this guy, Ryan Bingham there. And he was used to working at the studio. He was good friends with the guy who owned it. And so we, we recorded all live in a room, just all playing and singing live. And so it was my first time to do a record like that too, mm -hmm. where Mark, was kind of used to doing that. So I, I kind of, he took me to school really. I learned a lot from him and, and, uh, that was a, just a great experience. And I think that record came out as good as it did because we did it because he produced it and we did it that way. So it was, it, it, it was real. I've, I feel like, you know, now I've done two more records after that. And Mark was a big part of those records as well. So mm -hmm. Mark, he played guitar and all of the songs and, and he's, to me, like I've gotten to play with three world-class guitar players, mm -hmm. like Sleepy Ray and Sean and, and Mark. So it's been nothing but a huge blessing.
then you guys kind of branch into rich folk kind of around that same time? Well, we were, we're good friends with this couple in San Clemente, Hans and Janine, and we, we were part of this Tuesday night kind of Bible study at this friend of ours, Ed and Janet Bjork's house. And that was... That's so funny. This is all so... You know them? Well, Hans, you know I know. Yes. Um, you went to school and with Hans. I went to school with Hans. He was much older than me, but his sister, uh, yeah, would have graduated the same year as my brother, as my brother Matt. The Peorics, their son, Nate, or Nathan, he was in the same grade as Gretchen, which I'm sure you know. Yes. We all went to the same little Christian school in San Clemente that's not there anymore. So it's funny that you're involved with the Peorics as well. So we just, that group, me and Mark and his wife, Kirsten, Hans and Janine, we were the music for the Tuesday night group. So we just enjoyed playing together and we ended up getting a free few days at Hurley in Costa Mesa. They have, they have a recording studio. Mm-hmm. We know some friends who work for Hurley and they gave us free studio time and we went and made a live acoustic record. Cool. And um, of just songs we all wrote and that we sing at the group. And that's how that record came about. Peace in the middle of the storm. Peace in the middle of the storm. Mercy's new for us today. It's peace in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of a storm. Moving on that, this management company in LA wanted to help us do stuff and it just brought up old weird stuff. And so we bailed out on that. Yeah. We were just like, no, let's just, we were all doing our own things separately anyway. Yeah. So, so we still enjoy playing together and doing that together, but it's definitely way, way, way just in the back burner of something that's nice to do now and again, but but it was fun to make that record. And so now that you have your home church, which is little church by the sea, little church by the sea, which is in Laguna. Now that you are standing, I mean, are you, are they doing rotating worship teams there currently or? Well, I'm on staff part-time there. Okay. And so I'm the overseer of all the music. So Mm -hmm. I'm not there because I lead worship at Calvary Chapel in East LA, Montebello. Mm -hmm. And I do that once a month and one Wednesday a month. And they're the ones who took me and my wife to Israel. And they're, they're like our second family. They're, mm-hmm. they're just incredible people. And I love them. So I feel like we're kind of like Laguna is our main church, but that's our church too. Mm-hmm. You know, so. so now that you have those as kind of your studies, where, what do you think is going to take place within the next five years? 
on your icing of the cake kind of stuff outside of that world? I mean, do you see yourself making new albums? Do you see yourself making new tours happen of anything? I mean, did you, with that last, what was the name of the last CD? Grace and Mercy. Did you do any kind of anything with that album? I mean, are you doing any quote unquote touring with these things or no, not really? No. I mean, I go out and like a play at, places that'll come that'll ask me to play like mm-hmm. I went up to Washington and played a concert there mm-hmm. and did, just spotted things here and there but I'm not formally trying to promote a record mm-hmm. you know anymore it's like it's hard enough the way the whole music industry is now that you don't people aren't buying CDs anymore right it's um, all stream people are just yeah paying f- sometimes nothing and just listening to music for free so mm-hmm. it's a little bit hard to like I used to be able to, like my last two records were independent. I paid for them, but it'd be easy to sell enough CDs to pay that budget back that I invested in the recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's not that easy because, you know, you got to buy a thousand CDs, 500 minimum, a thousand CDs, which costs, you know, chunk of money and, yeah. then, and then studio time and doing all that stuff, paying your musicians. Paying your music, yeah. So it kind of leaves me in a little bit of a conundrum of what to do next. I mm-hmm. don't know what to do. I thought about doing a prayer record because I've been writing these little prayers mm-hmm. and putting them to music. And my friend John Schreiner writes these beautiful prayers and we play together doing these kind of prayer silence, kind of listening, you know, hang, being. So I th- thought about doing that, but I've also been toying around the idea of, putting a book together of photos with scriptures, mm-hmm. maybe doing something like that. So I'm not sure. I'm not, the cool thing is I'm not anxious about it. I think I'm at an age now and where I'm grateful to have the job that I have that gives me a lot of freedom. And, and I'm, I love being around my boys mm-hmm. and my wife and just getting to like, I'm, I'm, I'm at the second half of life. You know, where mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I don't feel like I need to prove myself or, or attain any big goals or anything mm-hmm. like you do when you're younger, mm-hmm. which is all good, but I don't feel that need to, to do, you know, to make a mark really. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've made some records that I'm proud of. I made some records that I'm, aren't that great, you know, but it's all part of my story and, and, uh, it's a legacy that I get to leave you know, on this earth or whatever, but I do find myself now more and more thinking and being encouraged by a lot of the verses in the Bible that talk about we're strangers here, just passing through, Mm -hmm. you know, don't put too much stake on the things of this earth Mm -hmm. because eternity is, is really our life. You know, this short, even if we live to be eight, 90 years old, eternity is way eternity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all those things in the Bible that I've been reading to be heavenly minded and thinking about those things have been really encouraging and really exciting, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Because I I also believe that since, because God is so creative that even those gifts that were given to you and to me to be creative, um, we haven't even scratched the surface yet. Like, what does that mean in eternity? You know, even, even to this moment, 
the universe is still expanding. So that means he's still creating a baby's being born every second, you know? Right. So, you know, there's a whole new crop of oranges on my tree out there. He's still constantly creating. Mm -hmm. So he's so creative and he created us to be creative. So I don't think I've written my last song. You know, I think I haven't even started writing songs, you know, I think, I think what's coming for, for all of us, you know, who believe, you know, I think, that's, I that's why I don't feel like I'm missing out by not still putting out albums and yeah. yeah, working so hard to do that, etc. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's cool too. Like what you're saying, the second half of your life or whatever, I think it's really, and it's hard to impress this upon, even if you were talking to younger you or whoever was talking to younger you. I think it's hard to impress this on people to watch what people who are later on in their lives are doing. The time that they spend wanting to talk with people and wanting to engage and, you know, there are some crotchety old men and women out there who maybe just want to smack you with their umbrella as you walk by them. But the slowing down is not just a physical thing and and maybe this is in the big plan of our lives but it helps us to i think and as a not yet 80 year old man though sometimes i feel like it helps you to savor those things more you know and i think for for those people who you know i was talking about this with somebody recently whose dad had cancer for a long time and eventually succumbed to it. And during those last years or year, what his grown children were doing with him and how much more all of that time meant to them. Um, you know, and he was saying, I, I would never ever miss an opportunity to do X, Y, and Z with my dad anymore because I knew this may be the last time that I'm doing that. And I think, it's not necessarily just that, that something is coming, but the slowing down of the relationships and how much more time we put into that, like the, I don't need to make my mark. I don't need to prove my point. I don't need to do all of these things that I really wanted to do in my younger years. Now that energy is dispersed. And I, I think I recognize you doing this because every time really that I've ever come into your presence, your genuine conversation and how engaged I feel when I'm speaking with you, sometimes I even like have to slow myself down because I don't always do this, but it feels like I could sit down and talk with you for two hours, you know? And I think that those kind of experiences and moments with not even like our best, best friends are key to life and legacy and relating and getting to share like that little morsel that you take out of any conversation with almost anybody that lasts over five minutes. You know, those little things that are gems of their life experiences. So I would say like even though you aren't or even if you aren't pressing towards those 
same kind of things. The amount of energy and time that you clearly are spending with your family, with those people close to you is like monumental beyond all of that, you know? Well, I think some of those things I wish we could all learn in our first half of life. Yes. You know, because, you know, the reality is, is I think the reason we do come up to these identity crisis points is because we make our identity what we do, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, you know, I, I hit a, I hit a wall and I, I had my whole identity wrapped up into, I'm a singer, songwriter, worship leader, musician. That's, that's who I am. And when those things start to fail, and you don't get another record deal or you don't have the same opportunities you used to have, then you feel like I'm not worth anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's because you put your whole identity in being that person. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, is my true identity is I'm a child of God and I'm an eternal being, you know? And so if my identity is wrapped up into being, uh, you know, created and loved by a father who desires my heart, then those things, even though you still can pursue them and love them, and you'll actually probably be more productive and better at them because you're not so stressed out about losing them, Mm -hmm. you know? And so your identity becomes something that's eternal and doesn't end because everything ends. That's made of flesh and bone and, and just, has anything to do with what we do, not who we are, you know? Yeah, it's true. Your pool is not going to last forever. No, it's just not. Your, I I love your doctrine mug is very sadly not going to pass on. No, but that's, it's true. Like all of those things that we spend so much time on that I've thought about this a lot because my dad did, you know, my dad was both sides of it. Like he, was a pastor helping people, you know, but was also a veterinarian and working incredibly hard at that and putting in massive amounts of time. And with both of those full-time jobs, basically, was not really absent a lot, but was gone a lot. And everything that he was putting out to all of these other people that you know, still to this day, I'll run into somebody who knew my dad and they'll almost be crying while they're talking to me, talking about how great of a man he was and what he meant to them and whatever. And then I'll start talking and they'll hear my voice and say, oh my gosh, you sound just like him. And that's when it really starts. But I I love that all of that is there. And then part of me is kind of like, I wish there had been that time that he could have had where he sl- was able to slow it down a little bit, you know? And, and I think he was kind of getting to that point in his life, unfortunately, where when he got cancer, but mm-hmm. that is that thing of trying to tell a 30 year old or younger, like make sure you have that balance in your life. It's great. If you are trying to build your empire or whatever that may be built, even if it is a completely benevolent thought of, I want my family to be comfortable financially and stuff wise. Like, I don't want us to have to worry about money. I don't want us to be in the throes of whatever that may be, but you're working so hard during that time. And 
what happens if you don't get that second half what that you're working so hard toward that balance during all of those years is so important yeah well i think your dad he may have skipped a step but he went straight into the redeemed life mm-hmm. straight into a perfected state of being where you know all these things that you missed in that season of your dad's life are uh you didn't really miss it's coming you know, you wish you could have had it and walked through the last part of his life on earth. But the reality is, is there, there's going to be plenty of time to catch up, you know. And, you know, the whole time we're trying to figure this thing out anyway. You know? Right. Like, it's all the grace of God. It's all like, these are things I couldn't have taught myself. These are just things where I had to kind of take the bumps. I had to take every single one of the lumps to learn it. You know, I had to go through panic and anxiety to completely let go of my identity. And it's not like I've completely let go of it. I still can struggle with it, but it definitely by the the gift that sometimes God gives us that we don't pay attention to is that there's a gift that's called suffering that we never see it as a gift because it's suffering and it sucks. Mm -hmm. But the gift that suffering brings and that allows is that it gives us perspective. Mm -hmm. That's actually really grounding and real. And so, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the Bible will say things like, thank God for your trials, you know, and that because it's building patience and building, you know, compassion for others and all these things that we think when we're in the middle of suffering, that all it is, is just bull crap, you know, right. that, that it's horrible, you know, yeah. the re- reality is it's actually softening our hearts, you know, so there's all that. Yeah. I've always felt like it, the times that I've thought of that, like it enables me to be able to empathize with a wider range of people than I normally sure. would be able to. So you have, you, you're filled with compassion. You are Yeah. anyone who could look in your eyes, sees it, you know, and that's a gift. So even the hard things in life, you know, in the eternal perspective, there, there've been some incredible gifts. I mean, to me, our friend Kit Van Rensselaer is a gift to the world and it's all come from suffering. Yeah. Yeah. We see how she walks. We watch her, how she walks through life in the midst of pain constantly and, and deformity and intense suffering. And you look at her and see that she has joy and you go, God must be real. Yeah. How is that possible? Otherwise, God wasn't real. She would be bitter and angry, Mm -hmm. but there's something sustaining her. Someone is sustaining her, you know, Mm -hmm. and giving her peace in the middle of all this pain. So she's a gift to the world. She's a gift to everyone who gets to be around her because we're seeing, I think she's chosen. Mm -hmm. I think one day when she stands before God, he's going to say, I chose you. And, and she's going to look back and go, it was worth it all because so many lives are affected by her and changed by someone who suffers greatly, you know? Yeah. It's crazy to think about how many people are out there doing things like you talk about, not you, but we talk about living through example and being a, an example through your actions and whatever, how many people are out there in the world that are just living as an example to others through a tumultuous, whatever that may be, whether it's a life experience or, whatever as other people to be able to say 
Right. Something's different about you from anybody else who potentially would be going through that experience or uh, whatever that may be. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like all the people like her, that all of her dreams and goals in life are gone mm-hmm. as far as like her wanting to be like a volleyball player mm-hmm. and all these things are, they're all things that were taken away from her in a sense and are probably something to struggle with, you know, and even mentally for mm-hmm. her, you know, I'm sure she has her doubts and her fears, but I just feel like one day when in the big scheme of eternity and all those things, I think she's going to look back and say it was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe if there is levels in heaven, you know, I don't know, but uh, maybe she'll be a little bit closer to that pure love mm-hmm. and pure light mm-hmm. than I will. You know, I think so for sure. <laughs> it is I'll kind be of happy to be in the nosebleeds, you know, and <laughs> the uh, view section. Yeah. It is kind of funny though, like you, and we can wrap it up with this idea, but like, I, I think for you, you have a broader not to use this term as a um, cliche or as an obvious thing here, but you have a broader audience than a lot of people are afforded. And I think that would be an interesting thing about life. And I was able to have this experience years and years ago. And I think this happens a lot for leaders of whatever type that you have years down the road, people who you led directly who will say, Hey, you did this and it meant this to me and my life is better because of it. And thank you. And I think it would be an interesting thing in life or in eternal life or whatever, to be able to have that experience of all of these people. And I think this is a very big thing for musicians and for musicians in general, I've talked with some people who are in bands as well and said, you know, to a lot of people, music is life and music changes their lives. And even in the secular realm, twice in one day saying it, um, that you, Thom Yorkie, your music got me through a dark time. And you may hear this all the time, but your whatever album in Rainbows uh, really got me through some tough times. And I just wanted to say thank you for that or whatever. And thank you, Thom. Thank you, Thom. <laughs> Thom, thanks. Uh, but to everybody who, who is a artiste of whatever type and your stuff, whatever that may be, is going out to the world or your state or these group of people like you are maybe never getting to hear that or you're getting to hear it to some extent or whatever but even for all of us in normal life situations like the people that our lives affect and things that we do or don't do and what that means to them and how that maybe changed their day or their outlook on something or whatever would be kind of cool to like hear all of that. And because I think a lot of people don't realize that all the time, if you are not a direct leader and you are just living your life, like I think to some extent kit potentially even would be shocked at how many people would be coming up to her for sure 
and saying, you changed my life. Yeah. And how far our reach goes and how important that responsibility can be if we take it seriously of how we live our lives and not just the legacy we live with our kids, but the people around us as well, because that person cut me off and I didn't flip them off afterwards or whatever, just the little things in everyday life that can affect other people. So Mm -hmm. as a musician, as you are a international pop star, (laughs) sorry, as a musician and, and especially because of the kind of music that you do, which shouldn't be in its own section, but should be out with every kind of music. I know that you have had that. I've texted you sometimes, Hey, I'm listening to this CD right now, or I'm listening to this album. And, you know, even if it's your CD that is mostly worship stuff, I'll put that into my car. And that day is a fantastic freaking morning. Like it's just, it's uplifting and, you know, how much that means to so many people who you don't know, who you will never, ever meet, how many people you are pushing forward in their walk and encouraging them and being real and genuine as well. And that is fantastic. So that is my beyond my, your facial hair is awesome. And you're a man among men. You're six foot 90 beyond those kind of things that I'll tell you about your physical presence, what your music has meant to me over the years. And I know to many other people I know, I, I thank you for using your gifts and your talents and not stopping and not keeping it to yourself. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Coming from a huge pod star. That you are. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for being on for so long, for sharing your home and your coffee with me. Anytime. And uh, again, you guys, I told you at the, or Chris told you at the end, and I kind of did as well, of the first episode, look up Chris Lazat, or for those of you who are very phonetic, Tris Lazati on Spotify. You're on Pandora. You have to be. Pandora, iTunes, uh, whatever you listen to music through, uh, look him up. I can guarantee to a lot of you listeners who I know out there who are jam band people, some of his most recent stuff is going to be very listenable for you. So check it out. It doesn't mean if you are not a Christian or whatever, it doesn't mean that you need to become one to listen to it or anything like that. You will enjoy the music and I probably have played some of it here and I will probably play some right now.
Okay. I hope you all stuck around for all of that and enjoyed the little bits of music that I put in there of Chris and various uh, stages of his bands and you fans of Mark Ford and or the Black Crows, you probably very clearly heard the Mark Ford in some of that, which again is a fantastic addition to to Chris and his bands and the iterations of his uh, music and the different stages of Chris Lazat. So make sure you guys check out Chris. Look up Chris Lazat on Spotify, on iTunes on uh, Pandora, all of those things. Maybe download one of his albums or download some songs, find some stuff you like. That would be great. Support your music artists. And again, you can find Chris on his Instagram with all of his awesome photos of the mission of San Juan at Chris Lazat on Instagram. You can find Daddy Unscripted on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, all under Daddy Unscripted. So make sure you check me out there. You can send me an email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. And again, make sure you guys check out osirispod.com. This is the first time I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to give you the official Osiris little bumper here. So take it away, Tom Marshall. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. All right, and I will give you a couple of episodes or some podcasts, not episodes, but podcasts to check out. Again, uh, because of who my guest was, Chris, I will give you a couple of these. You should check out Guitar Cast with Andy Keithley, which is a music podcast where he talks with musicians and artists about everything guitar related, which is really cool. And then you should also check out a podcast called Inside Out with Turner and Seth. These guys sitting and listening to them is really like just kind of hanging out with the guys. And that is definitely a music-centric podcast. And they have some fantastic guests on. And I've even learned and picked up some new music to listen to from that podcast as well. And lastly, I will say you should check out Under the Scales. Tom Marshall, the lyricist, and the second half of the songwriting team with Trey Anastasio of Fish. Tom has his own podcast. It's called Under the Scales, and he tells some fantastic stories, has some great guests on. Make sure you guys check that out. And I will say again, as usual, the opening music and this closing music that you'll hear right after this is going to be from Umphreys McGee. So thank you to Umphreys McGee for letting me partner with them to have their music on. They are currently not on tour, but they will be again soon. So make sure you check out umphreys.com to see when they're playing near you. And all of the other music that's on this episode, of course, is Chris Lazat. I will give you, oh boy... I've kind of painted myself into a corner with that central Dasun language. But goodbye in that language is actually pretty easy. So we say, Hino Kopo. So keep your eye out for the next episode. Thanks, you guys. Mm-hmm.